0: You're listening to the Owls AmeriCast, sponsored by Sheffield Wednesday's iFollow live match streaming service. Sign up now at swfc.co.uk slash iFollow. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, and often in Yorkshire it rains. This is the Owls AmeriCast, Sheffield Wednesday opinion with an American accent. I'm your host, Jeffrey Paternostro, and I can assure you it is not raining in suburban Connecticut. It's very, very hot and humid. And I've had to turn off the fan in my office to give you the audio quality that you are accustomed to on this podcast. So to help uh, temper the sweatiness, I am drinking a Shirley... By Thimble Island Brewing Company, in North Branford, Connecticut. It's part of their Sour Siren series. This is a sour ale brewed with lime and cherries. Uh, James is not on this week, so I tried to pick a beer that was appropriate for the for the podcast for the week in Wednesday football. So you might think that this would be uh, overly tart. You have a sour taste in your mouth, and there's a hint of sourness at the at the beginning, but it's actually quite refreshing, uh, much like Wednesday's win against Luton was this afternoon. Also on the line this week in New York, it's Patty Jones. Patty, what are you drinking?
1: Good evening, Jeff. I am drinking the same as last week. I have a <laughs> New England IPA from Samuel Adams. I was realized it's 6.8%, which uh, is way higher than I expected it to be. Um, so, yeah, look forward to some hot takes.
0: Also, I assume drinking the same thing as last week in Ohio is Evan Skilter. Evan, can we get an official yingling count at the start of the show?
2: Yeah, you'll have to uh, remind me what I had last week because I'm only minus one. It's been a, a pretty sober 63. week for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so we're, this I'm drinking number 62 at the moment. It's I'm just glad been, someone's wow. keeping track. Uh, yeah, such a busy week. It's been more of a bourbon type week for me, anyway. So, um, yeah, just breaking into the Yinglings once
1: again. I've got like a little um, ticker tape thing that uh, streams every time Evan drinks a Yingling. That's don't know very accurately how many he's drunk every week. Little uh, scorecard. It's impressive. One <laughs> of those. I have one of those smart fridges that
2: keeps track.
0: Here's your scorecard for episode seventy-four. We have two games to cover this week. A trip to the Den, and as is Owls America's tradition, a midweek fixture that we forgot to preview next last week. <laughs> we'll cover the Wednesday news, preview the weekend fixture at Preston, probably remember to preview the midweek fixture in the League Cup at Rotherham, maybe not, and uh, answer some of your Twitter correspondence actually in our Owls America's Any Other Business segment. We will start with 90 minutes and 90 seconds. It's really 180 minutes and 90 seconds because I am not spending a full 90 seconds on the Millwall game. Millwall won Wednesday, nil. I'm not thrilled I have to even spend 45 seconds on this. We had 20 minutes of 1980s football as Wednesday struggled to grow into the game and break down a Millwall side that reminded me a lot of Neil Warnock's Cardiff squad from a couple of years ago. A bit better for the next 15 before Wednesday ended up with Kadeem Harris marking Matt Smith on a corner kick with predictable results. Also predictable for a squad that reminded me of Neil Warnock's Cardiff, a red card for a reckless challenge followed just before the half. q 45 minutes of Wednesday repeatedly pounding on the door against a Millwall squad that seemed to have 20 in the box, or maybe that was just the effects of the kit clash. But despite running out a 2-4-4 four, four by the end, I think, Wednesday couldn't unlock an equalizer, and were left with a frustrating loss that raised some questions about the coaching and tactics. Which takes us to today, Wednesday 1, Luton Town, nil. Those questions were certainly not answered in the first 45 minutes back at Hillsborough, a rather listless performance as the rotated squad struggled to deal with Luton's pressing. Unsurprisingly, the best chance came from Kadeem Harris, sprinting down the left, cutting inside, and unleashing unleashing a hellacious curling strike that Slugger O'Toole, as John Pearson kept saying, (laughs) managed to punch away. Wednesday were clearly second best in the first half, but whatever Bully said in the locker room worked, as Reach and Murphy, who had been mostly anonymous in the first 45, looked far better in the second. And Wednesday turned the tables on the Hatters, pressing them into a bad mistake at the back, leading to a deflected cross from Murphy, a nice knockdown by Fletcher, and a scrappy finish from Kadeem Harris' thigh. Wednesday saw it out from there, mostly due to Julian Borner's man-of-the-match performance at the back. Far from a comprehensive performance, but scrappy wins count for three points too. So since we have two matches, um, for our talking points, we picked either something from the first match, something from the second match, or maybe something that sort of arcs through the fixtures from the last week at large. Evan, you want to talk about Kadeem Harris and perhaps a little bit of criticism for the winger this week.
2: Well... First of all, I don't want to dwell too much on the Millwall match. And second of all, I I think he's a great player. He's been a great addition. Clearly a big reason for the success so far, but I did notice something that I thought could be pretty easily corrected, uh, but it surely drove me nuts throughout most of that Millwall match. Um, I just felt like too many times Harris, who does a great job getting out the left, getting around the defense, Uh, Too many times he forced passes across the face of the goal um, and Millwall were clear, clearly pushing defenders back. They had four or five clumped in the middle uh, at any time. Uh, It was clearly their focus. And I think in just about all of the instances where, where Harris put a cross either low or or high, uh, he had a man usually, usually reach all alone at the top of the box. Um, Now I'm, I'm never one to, to oppose a, a cross into the box and, um Harris is sixth in the championship this season for completed crosses with 33 percent but it wasn't working against Millwall and it didn't seem like he he had any desire to change um I I just I think it's clear that if we would have laid a few off to reach who has a history of success from the edge of the box um we would have relieved some of that congestion and likely created more chances
0: I think it's interesting um my concern with Kadeem Harris is not so much that although the point's well taken and I think speaks to sort of the the tactical limitations we saw in the Millwall game, which is part of Patty's uh, talking point for the week. The thing I worry about with Harris is he's become sort of this outlet valve. It's like, just give it to Harris, basically. It's like the sort of the just throw it to Odell Beckham Jr. Kind of strategy, just like throwing up jump balls to your tall wide receiver, to use an American football metaphor. Um, and look, it works really well. He, as he showed in the Luton game, especially, he can take those balls and even at, almost at the halfway line and just make magic happen. You know, he can get to the byline, he can get crosses in. Um, I just wonder, like, once that valve gets shut out uh shut off, once, you know, the footage gets out there or once Bielsa has his spies in the bushes or whatever, <laughs> not that you need that to figure out that Kadim Harris is the most dangerous uh, player on this Wednesday squad right now, I do wonder like sort of what the plan B is that was always a thing with with Carlos, and actually the first forty five minutes of the Luton game reminded me a lot of sort of like the bad end of Carlos's tenure at walking pace, not really showing any urgency, having issues creating in the final third, uh, and just sort of a lack of a plan B. I do wonder sort of what the plan B is for the squad going forward, Patty.
1: Well, I think first of all, I don't want to be. I think we have a tendency on podcasts to be critical, right? So we have a, It's it's kind of more entertaining to pick. Have you
0: watched apart. the last two years of Wednesday football?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know, but I mean, look at the look at the like the moans and groans on Twitter, like after the game, before the game.
0: I mean, they they literally got booed off after the first forty-five minutes at Hillsborough after winning the first two out of three games this season.
1: Morgan Fox got booed onto the pitch. That's <laughs> how bad it is for Wednesday fans.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, that one's fair.
1: <laughs> God, poor guy. Um, but what I'm saying is that I, I, do, I don't want to come out of this podcast that we are having to go at Kareem Harris. Because by far and away, he's an absolute baller. He's, he's got the skills to pay the bills. He's He's got strength. Uh, he's direct. Uh, he's, today against Luton. Um, We're
0: talking about that actually, header header by the byline that he just like not- knocked down and ran onto, like late in the that's game. That's
1: going to come to. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's just, he it can, his first touch is always to move it forward. And that's what I love about him. It, it doesn't like stop. It, it, it takes a touch, whether it's his head or whether it's his foot, it moves it forward. And then he runs onto it. It's fantastic to see. He's by far the most exciting player I've had since Forrest the Greystar picture a few years ago. Um, but I do kind of agree with what Aaron's saying. Um, and I actually mentioned it in the first half of the looting game. Um, I think I said on Twitter, something like, is it too much to ask for a pacey winger that can also cross the ball? And it wasn't really aimed specifically at Harris. It was aimed at both Murphy and Harris. Um, and to the credit of Murphy in the second half and Harris to some extent too, they got better. They got more consistent with their crossing. If you've only got one guy in the box, which we have for most of the looting game, and that's Fletcher, just try and pick him out. For God's sake, he's a big target. And it was just going on his head, it was going too short, it was going on the ground. Um, and that's what frustrates me a lot in the first half of the Luton game. Um, so yeah, like I, said, I don't want to, to whinge. I think the the two wingers we now have on our side are far and away better than what we had last season the season before that. Uh, and I'm actually really excited about seeing them uh, for a full course of a season.
2: Yeah, and I, again, I, I stress, I, I, I love Harris. I, I don't mean to um be incredibly negative about him it's just my, my point is more and maybe this goes for the whole squad but we have to give multiple different looks in order to keep the defense on their toes and and right now uh, all a defense has to do is sag back into the box commit plenty of numbers in there and harris is going to try to cut inside and run into two or three of them or he's going to play a cross that's that's going to either get cut out or be far over the head of uh Fletcher and uh, at this point Murphy on on the backside
0: if there is a wider tactical problem Patty it might have been uh brought to the forefront in that second half of the Millwall game
1: yeah and that's that's what I wanted to talk about and it's uh it's something we kind of brought up and we all kind of have in the back of our head as as an issue with the balloon might have so his lack of tactical nous so to speak um we're all kind of on board with now that the players, it looks like the players want to play for him, um, and what has been an issue in the past for Wednesday is to have a motivated squad, right? And to have some passion on showing on the pitch. I don't think that's a problem this season, at least it hasn't been for the first four games. Uh, maybe if I beat a half an hour in the Luton game you could have questioned it. Um, but uh, what I think happened in the Millwall game, there was so much bluster and so much kind of like uh, effort, but not much strategic now or, or a plan as such. I don't even know if there was a plan A against Millwall, and they minor a plan B. It would just seem to lump it in the box, be direct, uh, and there was no one really keeping their head and making a kind of calm and collected kind of like uh, play for it. And that's why I think, in the end, Millwall saw out their game plan. We didn't really have a game plan. We were kind of all over the place. Fast forward to today's game against Luton, and the first half again it it was kind of very similar in the fact that this almost like a diamond a very wide diamond we're playing with reach in almost a number 10 position uh hutch very very deep almost with, as, as a third defender at times and then bannon just roaming around center midfield covering a lot of uh, area, it just left us very, very open in that uh, centre midfield. Cause both Murphy and Harris, as we know, like to hug the sidelines and you saw Fox come forward several times and have no options. Harris was too far down the line and wide and there's no one in centre because Bannon was too far away and Reach was basically second striker. And that was happening quite a lot and that's why I think also Harris was quite stuck sometimes too, uh, Evan, to your point, to give him a little bit of a of doubt here. He had no other option but to whip it in a lot of the times because there's no short pass on. Uh, Reach I didn't think had a, had a had a good first half. He's kind of like, when he had the ball, he did okay. But what I think we miss when Kieran Lee's not on the pitch is someone to overlap that striker uh, like Fletcher and get in the box. Reach kind of tends to stop when he gets to the 18-yard box. Um, but I think, like I said, compare the two games, and I think the difference between second half of Luton and the second half of Millwall is that actually Bullen tweaked a few things and they worked. So... The the changes he made in the second half was to make the midfield a little bit tighter together. So there weren't the massive holes in the midfield, which I said in the first half. So Bannon and Reach were playing a little bit closer together. I think um, Murphy was coming in a little bit more. Uh, Hutchinson came a little bit further forward, but not too much further forward. And then we got a little scrappy goal. Fair enough. But the substitutions again from Bullner I think, were spot on. Um, bringing on the Wango, bringing on Kim and Lee at the end. Um, and bring on Winall to some extent. I think that's why the the outlier of the three, because I think Winall did a great deal of stuff and looks a bit off the pace again, to be fair. But I think I think there's improvements. I think there's seeds of improvement in the tactical narrative Lee Bullen. And I want everyone to be patient with Bullen too, because you can moan at the end of the day, it's his fourth game of the season in charge. He's got some new players, got some new uh, tactics. He, he, He's he took new... over
0: two weeks before the season started.
1: Yeah, so it's, it's harsh to be harsh, right? You've got, you've got to give him time, you've got to give him patience. And I, and I think, actually last, season I want him, last week I wanted him to be the manager full-time. If it's a trial period that he's had on the moment, then I think he's, sh- he's shown signs of improvement and shown signs that he can uh, be a good manager. Um, I just think it's going to be a, maybe a longer road than most Wednesdayites I've got patience for. <laughs>
2: Well, I think a, a quick a quick two points that I have to that. Um, f- first of all, I think the 4-3-3 is, is the perfect formation to maximize the strength that we have in the club now. Um, and I don't think you were arguing against the 4-3-3 by any means. Uh, but we also have to remember these guys have been playing in this formation with these players for, what, five, four four and a half matches now? Uh, and I think uh, with time comes discipline with experience comes discipline. And and I really do think that we have the right players to figure it out. And, uh, you, you know, once, once everyone kind of settles in and, and fortunately we have a favorable, um, beginning of the schedule to kind of work that out. Uh, once they start to settle in, I think will be
0: incredibly dangerous. I do want to correct one thing that you said, Patty there. Uh, Sam Hunderson did get a little bit further forward in the second half at least once.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of almost corrected myself there, because I don't think he got too further forward. To but he had a good a good run, maybe at least.
0: He had no idea what he was doing that far forward with the ball. <laughs> <laughs> then he realized he could just foul someone, so he did that. <laughs> he was a crunching the- tackle. Uh, so the, I like the 4-3-3 a lot. Um, the one concern I have, sort of, not even tactically per se, but sort of... Uh, with squad setup is i don't know if reach is ideal in a midfield three just because he wants to freelance so much especially with murphy on the right wing who also kind of wants to cut inside or overlap like they really are going to have problems with teams that have you know four or five midfielders are willing to really try to fight that midfield battle with them i do wonder if you know the ideal midfield is something more like Maybe Luongo, Hutchinson, and and Lee, or Luongo, Bannon, and Lee. Just something that people that are a little more sort of positionally disciplined and more willing to sort of play down the spine. I'm curious to see how that plays out, how he maybe rotates the squad with his first sort of three games in a week coming up on Saturday against Preston. You know, I'd like to see more of Luongo, especially because he certainly looks like a uh, looks like a solid championship level player and you know we've heard that he can play both sort of in that more of the hutch role or more of the lee and reach role so it is going to be some growing pains and i just i worry that sort of again once the tape gets out there teams are going to find ways to sort of dominate that midfield battle and continue to isolate you know harris and murphy especially on the wings
1: I think that is a worry, but also when you've got the quality around the park that we have, you'd hope that that, like Evan said last week, that creates space for some of the other people uh, that are being left out. They can't mark everyone all the time, so if we're being smart and they do close some avenues down, then we should be able to route it to someone like Bannon or someone to, like Reach or Fletcher, or even bring on Forestier on as a kind of wild card towards the end. We've got options now, and that's what it is. It's it's, it's, a, it's a great to have this wealth of options and even if they do get smart we need to get smarter
0: speaking of quality around the pitch i want to talk about julian borner who we haven't really talked about for the first four games and he was solid if not spectacular for the first three but i thought he turned in a purely amazing man of the match performance in the back just his positional awareness ability to cut out crosses ability to step up into play and just win the ball and bring it up field reminded me of uh Michael Hector and he's just he's like one of those sort of like quietly confident center backs that you don't really notice but just everything's always neat and tidy at the back and for a team that's struggled with getting clean sheets in recent seasons and you know for Tom Lees who struggled without struggled both to adjust to new center back partners and sort of sort of struggled generally it's been very sort of yeah, we're still bad on set pieces, but what else is new? But everything else from open play has been, I think, pretty neat and tidy, Evan.
2: Yeah, we're certainly not missing Hector as much as I thought we would. Um, you know, We've given up two goals, which is the second lowest in the league behind Millwall. Uh, now we haven't played too many teams with, with a lot of firepower up top. But, um, man, you're right. Him, him and Lee's work together like... Uh, like they've been playing together for a long time, and it's been fun to watch. Uh, it'll be interesting to see as you know as the season progresses, um, you know what that central mid sorry central defense uh, rotation is because I think we've got a little bit of depth there. But right now, Borner, uh sh- surely our best defender now, and uh, putting in some of the, some. Are the most per- um, sorry I'm stumbling over my words. Too many Yinglings, but uh, <laughs> he's he's definitely putting in some performances that um, we've really been longing to see in the last few years. It's
1: not enough for Yinglings, right? If that's for, that's a problem here. Yeah. Um, so uh, I like the fact that he's a shouter. Um, he's he's a leader. He's oh, he's a you're such he's an a organizer,
0: man. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm gonna put it in for Yorkshire folk. He's a leader. He, he, he gesticulates. He shouts. He's organizing the back line. He's only been there for six weeks almost, and he's already leading that line, um, which is what we need. I mean, Lee's is a <laughs> we assume he's good in the locker room. <laughs> he's not very good on the pitch. But he needs some German efficiency. Yeah, yeah, and he's not even. It's just he's got everything he's got passion he's got efficiency he's um calm he's got good feet i don't i think if you take lee's out of the defense today he still would have kept a clean sheet it was everywhere everything that a ball came in it hit him first um it was just fantastic today so yeah totally man of the match today
0: so that is the week that was we'll take a break we come back we'll cover the news and the upcoming match fixtures Time for some Wednesday news. We have a League Cup update. Uh, the Barry game has been officially cancelled and Wednesday will receive a bye to the next round of Faith Rotherham United. You know, we alluded to the, the situation there a couple weeks ago and it is just really unfortunate to see a... I got some flack for saying it's a club with a lot of history, but it's a very old community club. Um, and it's... You know, the Football League is... 92 teams, and it's, you know, it's it's a community of towns and cities in England, and it's anytime one of them, you know, falls down like this, it's unfortunate see, so, you know, we've seen it with Bolton and Blackpool in recent years, too, and there's just so much money in the game, and I'm not going to get into, like, my, uh, Paul's not on the show, so... <laughs> This would normally where he would go off on sort of like, you know, Harry Maguire is worth eighty million, but you know Barry can't make their wages or something wrong with the system up and down. But I just think it's unfortunate to see you know any club anywhere that has as much history and it's not history at the top flight have this situation, Patty.
1: Yeah, is. Um... I was, I was looking at this video uh, earlier on about the uh, the old guy, the old Berry fan, and he saw that on social media where he still goes to the club shop every day to ask if uh, the club exists still because he doesn't have any access to the website or social media. So he's literally going to the club himself and asking, knocking on the window uh, and saying, are oh, we still looking for business or what? Uh, and that's, that's when it, you talk about community spirit, uh, is people like that, if that doesn't exist anymore, then... That's years of his life that uh, he will not be able to kind of like, I don't know, replicate it ever again. So it's, it's sad. And it seems like this, the boss is, is, is kind of, uh, I don't know, playing a game, trying to get a, the highest bidder. Um, Evan, you seen you, you saw him on the news of the day as well, right? Talking to someone.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah. One of the strangest videos I've seen, and I don't know if this is common on TalkSport or in... British media Um, usually it's daytime TV here like the Jerry Springer show or Maury Popovich or whatever they call him but basically TalkSport had the owner of Burion and he had a player from Burion and literally they just went back and forth hey you're not paying my wages yes i am you're lying uh we paid you per the collective bargaining agreement and you know i can prove it well i can prove that i haven't been paid and i'm gonna lose my house well you're not really gonna lose your house how could you say i'm not gonna lose my house you know it was like i i I was dumbfounded by what i was seeing like this is professional football um and, and i haven't been i haven't kept track of the situation too closely but it definitely seems messy when an owner and a player are going at it um on national media so uh definitely unfortunate N- not something you ever want to see i know we went through a a little stage in in columbus w- when columbus crew were threatening to move which was uh bad enough but this just seems uh, ridiculous
0: you know at this point we're only like seven years away from you know wednesday getting their winding up order you know it never got as bad as it's gotten for Bury, but you know it's it can happen to any club really outside of the Premier League, or even clubs that have been in the Premier League. You know it's a it's a precipitous uh, it can be a precipitous fall.
1: Anyway, yeah, so buying pre- the Cup, way <laughs> what a win that was!
0: So we get a Rotherham United preview again. That's very exciting. Uh, So I gotta, I get these. I gotta, I gotta. I got a text at 4.20 in the morning. Smoke them if you got them. I was not up. (laughs) (laughs) From a friend of mine in Sweden that just said, i get the exact quote. It was 4.12. I rounded up. Whatever. Don't know if this is known for every Wednesday fan, but the story, oh, sorry. It's actually earlier than that. It's 1.55 a.m. I might have been up, actually. I think Uh, Jeff's been the one smoking them.
1: (laughs) That's a good two and a half hours off. But the joke was good, Jeff.
0: Yeah. So 1.55 a.m. There's a rumor that Roland Nilsson's taking over a championship club and that it's Wednesday. So I got very excited. And obviously Nancy uh, Frostick wrote an article about it at The Athletic UK uh, this morning. I think it was probably published after I got that.
1: This 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 text Message. was from, from IFK Gothenburg too, right?
0: It's from Gothenburg, yes. So It's a man, fan of Gothenburg, yeah.
1: is an insider.
0: <laughs> insider in the IFK Gothenburg community. Uh Roland Nielsen is obviously the under twenty one manager in Sweden right now. I don't know if this is actually real, but if they were going to replace Lee Bolin with anyone, uh Roland Nielsen would probably have a fairly long leash with the fans, Patty, I'd say.
1: Yeah. I think so, obviously. Um, With a little bit of nostalgia. Um, I I doubt that most Windsor bands have been keeping up with Nielsen's managerial managerial career. Um, So that'll get, obviously, uh, poked and prodded around by us if it does become a bit more of a... Well, even today, I bet people are looking at what he's been doing for the last few years. I mean, he's been relatively successful uh, back home, right? He's he's managing the M21s for Sweden. Um, What else has he done?
0: He managed something called... FC Copenhagen, which is apparently a big club, I assume in Denmark, probably in Copenhagen. <laughs> okay.
1: So, I mean, I don't know if we're looking to bring him in uh, as part of the coaching staff or whether we're bringing him in as the like the lead coach over Bullen. What do you think that's going to be? Do you think that's going to be a kind of head manager and Bullen stays on as, as a supporting role or the other way around?
0: I don't know. I mean I don't know if there's anything to this. Obviously there's some there's some juice here and maybe Chen Siri has been paying attention to the wild success that like Frank Lampard and Holy Gun and Sohar have had coming back as club legends to uh It will definitely manage. improve the song, right? So you got the number
1: one as well Yeah, and yeah the, the song the, the
0: song will come back, which is great. Um,
1: And the Adam Twitze and the gaffer is Roland Nielsen too, so you can go the whole thing. There's a lot of possibilities there,
0: the the built in song. Um, Roland Nielsen's Barmy Army, yeah, that works. It's not like the (laughs) ideal cadence, but it's close enough.
1: I think, I don't know, actually, I don't want to. I feel bad talking about it when Bullen's doing such a good job, so it's. uh, I think. Let's keep it on the back burner in our pockets, and I'm happy that talks are still happening. We're not just kind of uh, waiting things out. Uh, I think we need to be talking and having something as a plan B. But I think I think Chancer is not rushing anything at the moment, and for a good reason, because Bullen's doing a decent job.
2: I did see a rumor that we might bring in an extra coach to help Bolin. I don't know if Nelson would want to leave a U21. Head, head man job for a, an assistant position at Wednesday, but if we're, we're talking rumors, you never know to what extent um, some of these rumors could be. So yeah, maybe maybe he's coming back just uh, as an assistant for a while.
0: Do we actually know who the assistant coaches are? There's like other no, people I, on the sidelines. Like I see
1: them. Yeah. Like that. It's, uh, I think I, I, think I Neil saw once. Thompson
0: yeah, I saw Neil one Thompson, stand up assume, today
2: and yeah. start yelling. and I, I didn't recognize him I had no idea what he, who he was, what what he was.
1: <laughs> you know, basically Weaver and Neil Thompson are the, the kind of yeah, right. uh, backup coach. Weaver's the goalkeeping coach and Thompson's the academy coach, I believe. so um yeah, that's that's all we've got at the moment. We definitely are uh, short staffed, but um, yeah
0: beefing up the coaching staff uh, in general is probably a good idea, but you know, we found out this was happening two weeks before the season started, so. I think there's probably some virtue in being patient at this point. So the window has closed in England, but not elsewhere. And there's a couple outgoing players this week on loan. Uh, Jack Stobbs, you know, the 23s, will join Livingston in the Scottish Premier League. That's good. I've always heard good things about him. Uh, I think he, he briefly popped up early last season. I think he got a run yeah, out of the Yeah.
2: He made a few uh, a few starting elevens,
0: so getting him uh, more playing time north of the border, as it were, sounds like a good idea. And uh, Van Aken heads to Osnabrück in the German second to the Bundesliga two. Uh, I yeah. guess surplus yeah, requirements outside, at this point, yeah. given that they have a fairly settled center back pairing, you know Jordan Thornley available for squad depth, and uh, both Iorfa and Fox have experience playing center back as well, Patty. And
1: David Bates, too. You know, David, oh, David Bates, jeez,
0: the, there you go. The
1: Ginger, Ramos, Ginger Ramos. Um Yeah, it's, it's it's good that we're shipping people out, right? I think that's a good sign that we've got people looking at both outgoings and ingoings, because um, Van Aken needs time, and I don't know if Bundesliga 2 is a great quality. This is for a side that just got promoted from Bundesliga 3, too, so it's not the best uh, option for him. I think Jack Stubbs is a great move, probably um, in the Scottish Premier League. Uh, hopefully he gets some uh, starts and uh, kicks on from that, too, cause I think uh, Stobbs got lots of potential.
2: Didn't you I'm just sure. sh- shit on the SPL last year, or last
1: week? <laughs> yeah, but it's a good... <laughs> probably. <laughs> it's a good uh, blooding for our uh, youngsters.
0: Well, we're going to stick with Scottish news, Evan. Just so you know, uh, and it came out this week that Stephen Fletcher might retire from Scotland. I don't know if this is news. Patty did the agenda. He put news in inverted commas. So, Patty, your thoughts? I think it
1: was clickbait from the start. I was like, "Oh, he's yeah. announced he's retired from uh, Scotland." And then he read it actually to the bottom, and he actually goes, "No, nah, I'm just thinking about it." I was like, oh, not really news article at all, really. And now we're covering it on the podcast, so I'm sorry, guys. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: What are, what are the oh. current striking options for the Scottish national side anyway?
1: Uh, is it that guy that Sheffield United signed? had signed? you done
0: any research for the Stephen Fletcher might retire from that <laughs> one segment? Let's move on. <laughs> we'll move on to our match previews. We start with an away fixture at Preston North End who have struggled to the start of the season. Only won one of their first three matches. They play tomorrow. Uh, Preston away always feels like a. I don't know if this actually plays out in reality because I have done no research for this segment. But Preston away always feels like a bit of a bogey fixture to me. Like, I feel like we go, we went there and we just get like drilled four one on occasion. I feel like well, Jeff
2: Evans with stats. Everyone's got research. Preston have scored 5 goals in 3 matches. They've given up four. They're sixth in the league in possession with 56%. The only really interesting stat is that they average 57 long balls a match, which is the most in the league. They've Hopefully completed one, something
0: from the Millwall game then.
2: Yeah, yep, they've completed 188, which is 35 more than us. And they have an impressive young Irish guy called Sean McGuire who has the most touches in the box of any player in the championship at 22. Uh, but he's only scored one goal this season. Kadeem leads Wednesday with 14 touches in the box.
0: There you go. That's your Preston North End preview, I think. <laughs> I don't know. There's just such a, like a, I don't want to say bland. There's like, I have no feelings about Preston one way or the other. They're probably the team in the championship I'm the most completely neutral on.
1: I think they always give us a good game, that's why we are a little bit yeah. scared, right, because we always go there, I think, well, we probably learned now, but in the past we kind of underestimated them and actually been a good team now for the last couple of years, they've been around 7th, 8th, ninth, 10th, similar to us really, um, and they, uh, they haven't been household names, uh, but they give us a good fight and uh, they've been probably playing above their stature for a few years now, so it's going to be a hard game, especially away from home. Um, I think we might scrape a draw.
0: Wednesday, stay on the road for a midweek cup fixture at Rotherham. You know, I really fucking hoped I was done talking about Rotherham (laughs) on this podcast after they got relegated. But here we are. Will they not just die? Um, Um,
1: I think this has got to be a win, right?
0: Um, I think this is a good spot to... I know Bowen said in the press, he was a little upset, the, the very match didn't happen because you know, he wanted to kind of get a run out for some players that maybe aren't sort of in the 11 or even the 18 right now. So you might see bait David Bates. You might see Jordan Thornley, um, you know, maybe an opportunity for Jordan Rhodes to get a full 90 minutes at striker. I, I just like to see Preslav Borkoff on the bench. I'm not asking for much, just, you know, if you're listening, option, yeah.
1: option number seven, in yeah. our striking first, um, yeah, I, I think uh, I'd love to see an experimental side. I mean, why not? We don't really care about the League Cup. Uh, bring in Longo as a starter. Um, like, say, Bates back at center half. Uh, some of the youngsters might give a, a bit of a run out, too. Yeah, why not?
0: Evan, do you have any thoughts on Rotherham away? In the Is it, was it still the Carabao Cup, or they change it again?
1: No,
2: Jeff, it's still the Carabao Cup. Um, some thoughts on Preston. Um, they lead. League one in
0: Rotherham. one V what Rotherham? He said uh, Preston.
2: Well, I met Rotherham. Yeah. Pardon me. <laughs> they leave league one in one V one battles defensively, uh, as well as completed
0: dribbles. Um, <laughs> these people, they <laughs> dribble in league one still. Like that, I do i don't even <laughs> been down there. Well, Rotherham. that is not my memory of any league one football action.
2: <laughs> now, Jeff, they are top five in long passes yeah. as well. Um, and so, by the way, I have, gotta give a shout out to our guy Chris Robinson because he's uh, he's given me some of these stats. These the stats game.
0: right now, as you're, yeah,
2: <laughs> no, they're not live, but uh, they are. They almost. <laughs> it's,
1: a give was some research.
2: It's literally almost on demand. Um, we we talked earlier, and he gave me some of those Preston stats. And then when we started, Jeff mentioned that. Uh, we would preview in, in his preview of the podcast. He mentioned we'd preview Rotherham, so I said, Oh, shit, do you have time to get some Rotherham stuff? And like two minutes later, he I sent got a
1: back me on the OA group shot. You got like a, like,
2: a Trello ones. that I don't know about. Uh, yeah, it's a, private, it's a private message. Pardon me. <laughs> um, but yeah, like two minutes later, he fed me like five screenshots and a bunch of top stats. So, top guy, Chris. I uh, appreciate Appreciate it. Rotherham is League One. We should win. If we don't, whatever, we've got promotion to win. So that's my thought. Focus
0: on the league. That's what we say. Focus on the league. Yes. Now we will focus on your questions from social media, which Chris helpfully solicited for us. Looking forward today. to these. Hmm? Looking forward to these. It's yeah. the first time we've asked for people to
1: send us questions people have. So uh are we just gonna pull names out of a hat?
0: I'm just going to go down in order. We'll spend as much time on each of them as we feel is necessary. Uh, the first one is from at 11 Do you think Bolin is too focused on each individual game rather than the season as a whole? I feel like he wants to win. Since he wants to win every game at the beginning of the season so he can be named permanent manager, there hasn't been much squad rotation and subs are coming on very late.
2: Well, first of all, that's from Stephen Peck. Who, shout out to him, had a little meetup of his own in Indiana uh, this week. Fort so, Fort Wayne uh, Owls. Yeah, the Fort Wayne Owls. Good for them. Um, thanks for the question. And I think that with Nobury last week, the starters have had plenty of rest. So, um, I think there'll be a lot of them taking a rest next week against Rotherham before Preston. Then I think we have another week off after that until QPR. And then we have the international break. So I think now's the time to push because after the break, we'll see weekday matches pretty much every week. Um, we've got to swallow as many points as we can with a fairly, like we mentioned earlier, favorable fixture list to start the season um, because we're going to go through rough stretches. Every, te- every team does. Um, so uh, I, I don't mind us you know, going hard and, and, and winning as many matches as possible.
0: I also don't know if, if Bowen is really particularly concerned with the permanent job or not it's his third spell as caretaker he's been with the squad forever i have think if they bring roland Nilsson on he'll be happy to step back in as an assistant coach so i don't know if that's really his plan i think you know he has i don't know that we have a feel for his style of play but you know he certainly has a preferred starting 11 you know he made that clear when he when he came back in as Caretaker after Yas, he brought some players back into the squad. And while we do have depth in certain areas and a better sort of bench than we've had in the past, certainly, you know, there's still going to be you know first choice fullbacks where we don't have a ton of depth. You know, I think Liam Palmer would have started today if he was not dealing with a little bit of a back injury. And you know, it's gonna be first names on the team sheet and whatnot. So and really to like Evans' point too, it's it is a long season. The championship is a grind, but you're at the point now where there aren't midweek matches, you know, it's not a particularly crowded fixture list, you know. Try to try to bag your points and go from there. From Samuel's eight eighty eight, Luke Samuels. What do you think Forestieri will do this season in terms of games, goals, and et cetera, Patty?
1: Um I think he'll be a bit part play this season.
0: It's wild. Uh, we haven't talked about him like at all on the show. He was an unused sub. He wouldn't make the 18 on the weekend, and it hasn't really mattered.
1: Yeah, he's like, gonna struggle to get back into it. I mean, if you think about what we talking about earlier on as far as discipline and positions, that's not really Forestieri's strong point. He prefers the playing off the striker, uh, in the centre and, and being the kind of free roaming guy he is, years uh, and we've seen him struggle to do that and make an impact over the last couple of years I know he's had suspensions and injuries and stuff um, but the moment there's people above him and uh, I think I know Wednesday, Wednesday fans hold him very close to their hearts for me I don't see him being much else other than a bit part player and impact sub this season
0: I think the problem is again it's a, it's a matter of formation if if 4-3-3 is the preferred formation like where do you really play Forestieri in that if you play him in in central midfield he's generally going to be too deep to have much of an impact you know could you play him on the right wing instead of yeah I mean again it's it's a positional discipline issue and he can be pesky but he really much he wants to cut inside he wants to play his role he wants you know players to, to cover behind him. And if you're not really playing like a like a 4-4-1-1, four, four, one, one, maybe a a 4-2-3-1 with him, with him centrally, but is he really better in that role than Reach or Lee? It's just not an it's not an ideal fit. I don't think they're going to get all that much money for him. I I assume he was on the market this past transfer window. I'll be there again in January, but he's going to be out of contract. The one thing with Forestieri. That he can still do, and I think it was unfortunate he wasn't on the bench for the Millwall game specifically. Is he can still like those games where they're getting dominated in midfield or just can't break down a team? He's still capable of sort of like completely unlocking or undressing a defense, Evan. I think that's the one. Maybe that maybe that is a super sub role now, but I think there are going to be games you know, away from Hillsborough where maybe you tweak the formation a little bit and see if Forestieri can, you know, just sniff out a goal.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think he's, he's kind of a, he'll be a midweek fill in player is how I, I look at it right now. I think um, your point, your point is great. If, if we're going to have him in there, we're probably going to have, if we're going to start him, we're probably going to have to switch up the formation a little bit or um, have some guys around him that will be disciplined. Um, but yeah, I, I can see him getting a few runouts in, in December to increase his transfer stock as much as we can before we cash in during the January window. Um, if we can maximize his, maximize his value, I, I don't think he's a huge loss to the club.
0: It's wild to say that. And I mean, it's 2019 it's been, you know, four years now at this point, speaking of the January transfer window from SWFC underscore fan zero one on Instagram. The
1: original SWFC fan.
0: The <laughs> first one. Yeah. Maybe the second one. Maybe SWFC fan was first.
1: Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, 0-0. Zero, zero. Zero, zero, yeah.
0: <laughs> How can we sign Michael Hector in January, and will he end up at Fulham if not at Wednesday? So my understanding is there's kind of already agreement in principle for him to move to Fulham in January. Uh, like a price has been agreed on and whatnot. Um, so I don't necessarily see a scenario where that's going to happen. Look. I like Michael Hector, Patty likes Michael Hector. Evan likes Michael Hector. um I suspect in January if we're shopping, it's not going to be for a center back. um I assume there's some money left over from the Lucas Joao sale that might be a- available to fill a hole and and like sometimes it just doesn't work out with timing. It's unfortunate, you know uh, it didn't work out with Connor Wickham. We would have loved to get Connor Wickham in uh full-time obviously the never-ending ben marshall saga <laughs> uh maddie fry i guess i can throw maddie fry in there too why not but they, you know there's been players on loan that haven't quite uh you know i think we would have loved to have uh lazar back too but you know it does the vagaries of the transfer window and teams pricing or being willing to sell or not being willing to sell and obviously chelsea has their transfer ban which makes everything a little bit more complicated for them it's a shame that it didn't work out. Um, I thought Michael Hector was excellent in his year here, but you know, as we sort of said in the in the first segment, Julian Borna is doing a pretty good job right now. <laughs> so I don't worry about it too much. Anyone else have anything to add to that?
1: Uh, no, I, th- I don't think even people will be asking this question uh, in, January, in December. Think, yeah. yeah.
0: Sticking on the gram from GD Price 888. What is your favorite Wednesday song or chant of any era? Patty.
1: Uh See, I look at this two ways, right? So it could be something that just brings back good memories and obviously all the European, uh, European songs we were in Europe were very, very good. I can always remember singing Tell Your Mum You Mum to put champagne on ice we're going to Wembley twice. I think that was uh, when I grew up uh, it was kind of the thing that I loved singing as, as a kid when we went to Wembley, both uh, in the FA Cup and the, uh, in the League Cup. Uh, but I don't really think you can get much better than the Roland Nielsen song. <laughs> uh, Cause I just think it's hilarious. And obviously it's, it's whacking... and then,
0: Cause like the did the David Hirsch name drop in there too, it's great. Yeah, <laughs> It just,
1: right. it, it mixes up the Wednesday sense of humor. Yeah. Um, and the love of uh, one and maybe two particular players <laughs> uh, so yeah, actually one of the one of the um, things it's not my favorite Wednesday song but when I took my two American friends to their first ever soccer game in England at Millwall a couple of years ago they said their favorite song was I've got a shed as big as this and that is I think one of my favorites as well Evan your pick
2: yeah have you ever heard of the uh, the Hall City
0: Squirrel song <laughs>
1: It's sung from tra- terrace to terrace.
0: Uh, yeah. <laughs> Never did catch on, unfortunately. I had a really good, this is the product of many 6am beers, but I had a, I, a couple of years ago, I don't remember how it went, but I had a very good song uh, about Dr. Ho. Patty remembers Dr. Ho. <laughs> uh, song to the tune of They Might Be Giants' Dr. Worm. Uh, Dr. Ho was the back brace infomercial that often preempted Wednesday games at six fifteen on BN Sports and pushed us to the streaming server which had varying degrees of success actually streaming.
1: Sometimes Doctor Ho replaced the Wednesday game entirely on BN Sports, which is always fun. So Doctor Ho holds a special place in the New York Hours House, definitely.
0: So I have I'm gonna go in two different directions here. So my, my personal favorite Wednesday song, we know go it was actually a fairly recent one. I really like the Kieran Lee song. Like I think it's just like a it's like a it's like a fun song to sing i'm obviously a huge kieran lee fan in general and It's just like a little different than a lot of the other stuff we do but my favorite sort of this isn't necessarily uh a, a wednesday song per se specifically but i love it every time it's on. uh the is there a fire drill song whenever the <laughs> home crowd is streaming out when they're behind late in the game I always that's, enjoy like that. a,
1: that's like an american thing too right yeah well I, I know, we can say we, in England we sing uh, We can see sneaking out. That's yeah. something we sing more than else. Um but yeah, I've heard both the versions of that I think as well in um in American and English sports. I do like the banter between mocking people leaving early, definitely.
0: And of course the best uh the best New York Owl song which we pull out <laughs> for every Leeds game, which is Six Nil to the Wednesday Boys. <laughs>
1: we do have an actual original new york owl song we do, which, yes most we, people uh, do speaking not, of you
0: know. a lot of beers being consumed when this uh
1: <laughs> so if you've never been to new york owl's meter we have a song which goes uh, whoa i'm a wednesday i am a fucking wednesday i am a wednesday in new york whoa and it goes over and over and over, and over again yeah. that is obviously fantastic too yeah it sounds really awesome <laughs> it's no whole city squirrel song <laughs>
0: From underscore Ronnie SWFC, also on the Instagram. Who do you think will be the next manager and when should we get him? Bowen's the guy. You think Bowen's the guy?
2: Um, yep, I, I've, I've got no better answer than that.
0: Does he just need a, another 6 0 against Leeds to uh, get the permanent manager job? As it worked for Stuart Gray, so.
2: I mean, what more do you want? We've started the season 9 out of 12 points. It's. Um, it, it's a fantastic start. Now, if we end up going, you know, Oh, for our next 24 points, then we've got to have a talking, but, um, he's done a great job. He's got the club behind him. Um, again, I think he'll settle in to a full-time manager role. The players will settle into this, this four, three, three and playing with each other. And, um, you know, all, all will be okay. I, I like Bullen. I think it's his time. Uh, to to finally take over the reins. He's been a steward for this club. Uh he, he loves Wednesday. He's been so loyal and we we have to be loyal back to him. It's it's time to do that.
1: But this this guy that Ronnie SWFC on Instagram, I mean you could be right, I mean Bullen could be very successful. But he's not asking that really. He's asking who do you think will be the next manager? So say Bullen's in charge for the next twenty years or so and this is, and when should we get him? So I say, once Bullen's taken us to the Premier League and won the Champions League in the next 20 years, I think the next manager is probably going to be some like a Wednesday legend from like the 90s. So I say, our next manager is going to be Richie Humphreys, and we're going to get him in uh, 20, 2040. That's, that's, he'll have an established career by then, Richie Humphreys. He'll be like the manager of Man United, and it'll be a big shock that he leaves Man United in 2040 to go and manage Sheffield Wednesday. It's, it's going to be amazing. 60-year-old
2: Richie Humphreys. <laughs> Can't take wait. This is, where,
0: is where I put in, a, put in a cheeky shout for Manchester City youth coach Ben Wilkinson.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, he'll, 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 he'll be a Pep Guardiola's um, yeah, yeah. replacement in 10 years'
0: time. And then he come back. Uh...
1: Yeah. Uh, and he can step 20, up in the world
0: to the Sheffield Wednesday uh, managerial job. We'll wrap up with a question from <laughs> at New Orleans Owl, I think that's his. When are we having the Owls Americas meet up in New Orleans? I think this is a question for Patty.
1: Oh, dang it. Um, first of all, this is a bit of a spoiler, isn't it? We should do some kind of talk about this. So we've talked about this for a while. So we talked about having a, ma- a national meetup Um. Wednesday fans uh, somewhere in the U.S.
0: It should really um, be in Chicago since it's a transportation hub, but New Orleans <laughs> has, has better bars, let's put it that way. <laughs> I like both the cities.
1: We haven't really got... Actually, we did Chicago already. We did it for Paul's wedding, so we didn't make it, guys. Um, but so we need to talk about this as a group. But if we put it out there and you let us know on Twitter and on Facebook and on Instagram, would you be interested in coming to a national Sheffield Wednesday meetup uh, to watch a game, maybe in New Orleans, probably in New Orleans. Um, I've got other suggestions as well. Give us a shout. And we'll make a massive party out of it for a whole weekend of Wednesday fans. Uh, get in touch with us on Twitter, at Al's Americas, and Facebook, Al's Americas, and Instagram, Al's Americas. And let us know if you'd be interested. And we will try and make it happen.
0: Well, where are the meetups for this week, Patty?
1: They are in New York City. We are at Smithfield Hall again, uh, our away um, stadium, so to speak. And we have uh, family day again. And uh, it is one of our uh, long-term New York Owls, uh, kind of uh, adieu, not a goodbye, because she's going back to um, England uh, with her son James. So I want to say big shout to Sarah and James. Uh, for being a great New York owl so long. We'll keep um, her mum, Jan, uh, in the squad for much longer. So um, we'll see him again soon. Uh, The other meetup is in New Orleans, and that's back at Finn McCool's. So get in touch with at New Orleans Owl on Twitter if you want to have more details about that.
0: This has been episode 74 of the Owls AmeriCast. You can find us on the internet at owlsamericas.com. Email the show at owlsamericas at gmail.com. Find and follow us on Twitter at owlsamericas. We're also on Instagram at owlsamericas. The Owls America Cast is brought to you by Sheffield Wednesday's iFollow live match streaming service. Sign up at swfc.co.uk slash iFollow. Our podcast intro and bumpers by fellow Wednesdayites Reverend and the Makers. podcast is on iTunes. Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, Podbean, and probably anywhere else you choose to download podcasts. There's no wrong way to listen to the show, just do what feels right. But wherever you choose to consume the Owls Americast, we ask you to rate and review the show. It helps more Wednesday nights find our ramblings. Evan is on Twitter at Ohio Owl. Evan, give us the updated jiggling count. We're down one, I assume.
2: Two. I, I did finish <laughs> a second. So
0: yep. Sixty one. Under, under the wire. In stoppage yep. time.
2: And I'm starting a, uh, a Yingling Can pyramid right next to the, the computer and microphone. So <laughs> looking forward to, the,
0: to season's end, seeing My how tall this thing can completely get. covered your face on the. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Patty is on Twitter at New York Owls and at Patty A. Jones. Patty, what is your favorite bar in New Orleans out of curiosity?
1: Mm, oh. Ah, oh, shit. What's it called? There's
0: one it's on Frenchman's. I can't remember the name. Yeah, There's the one, one on of Frenchman Street. The on Frenchman Street, Patty.
1: <laughs> it's really small. Has it got a cat in the name? Is there a cat in the name of it? <laughs> it was really small.
2: The Cheshire there. Club.
0: No. Is it? So if you're in <laughs> New Orleans, walk down Frenchman Street, find a bar <laughs> with, with a cat in its name, and <laughs> Patty A. Jones approved.
1: <laughs> it's really good. There's good music there.
0: I'm on Twitter, at Jeff Paternostro. Hello, Sam Snaith, if you're out there. And we'll see you again <laughs> next week.